Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi, hello, happy World Cup, and happy Thanksgiving, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three here on the Extra Points Network. We're ready to dive into a holiday weekend, extended as it is. Bills at Lions, home team plus nine. Giants at Cowboys, home team minus nine. And then the nightcap, Pats at Vikes. The Vikes lay in three. Juicy games to look at. On Thanksgiving, and then, of course, your standard fare on Sunday, plus some college football games. But it's sad to say, when you look at the schedule, pretty thin compared to what we've been, gotten used to over the last three months. Not very many college football games. It's already ending. It feels like it just began. Important note for you pro football betters out there. Seven of eight double-digit favorites, the most recent ones, have lost. I couldn't help myself. I had to take the Ravens laying 13 to Baker Mayfield and company. I got that wrong, but I did go with my combined college football and NFL best bets last week, 10 and four. Hench went undefeated, kind of sort of with his, not on the extra points pick em pool that all the staff is on in the other one with his fancy friends against the spread. He went <laughs> undefeated. Very nice there. But that's all rear view mirror stuff. Like I say, we got to give you our best bets upcoming here. First, though, let's say hello to Eddie Spaghetti behind the glass. And then our main man, as always, high above Hollywood, running the business to show. It's Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? Congratulations right. on that punt return victory against the Jets. Uh I have a very salacious. Oh, first of all, the feed of the World Cup game just cut out. Okay, there. What? It's frozen. Oh God. Okay, I'm obviously gonna be watching this USA Wales game. Did a rainbow break out or something? They can't have that over there. Maybe somebody uh, smuggled a beer into the stadium, and and they're shutting it down. Uh, Good times in Qatar. yeah, no, I'm. uh, I, I this is my analogy, and I know I'm. I'm trying to clean it up. Uh, there's no way to clean up this analogy. Okay, I'll try. So this was my <laughs> analogy for the Patriots-Jets game. Um, one of the most brutal football games ever played. Hard to watch. Probably the maximum, certainly for a victory, the most I've ever felt like I should have been playing with my kids instead of watching football. Hmm. Definitely the most ever for a victory. Usually if your team wins, you're like, hey, time well spent. That was good decision-making. Three hours in front of the TV. Oh, okay. All right. Great save. Um, so wait, I we should we should explain why, because I suspect that's the first of many bleats we're gonna get along the way here as we record this uh this holiday episode. Oh, a couple of notes. First of all, this is our one and only minus three of the week. Of course, we're gonna be eating Thanksgiving and stuffing and pie and stuffing and mashed potatoes and stuffing on Thursday. So we're getting this show done and then we're going to take the rest of the weekend off. So please make a note of that. And two, Kevin Hench, we're all watching the world cup right now, but he's living and dying a little bit more. I'm not living and dying so much. I'm, I'm interested. I'll I'll say it that way, but we are in the second half of the U S versus Wales game at the time of this recording. Hence, Hench reacting the way he is. I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Hench. No, you no, interrupted no. yourself, I, though, to be fair. Uh, Wales interrupted me. They're just peppering right. our, our net right now. It's like they're on a power play. Uh, but we're, we're still up 1-0. Um, okay, so obviously three horrendous hours of football, and, and, and we'll get to our bad goats in a second. But, like, you know, 
the the when you look at like the Ryan Leaf monsoon game, like there, you know, there are elements like you look at terrible football games. I know it was windy, but there was no precipitation and it was in the 30s. And like Zach Wilson, wow, boy, we'll get to him in a second. But so this is my analogy. Maybe spaghetti will have to cut the whole thing. I apologize, but uh, we're we're grown men here. <laughs> that's, um, a good, that's, okay. that's a good start. <laughs> so this is just what came to mind. Um, okay. I don't know if you guys ever had this. I'm sure. Not, by the way, that was a little Kyrie. See, that's inspired by like the Kyrie kind of language. Like, I just want to say up front, I'm not anti-Semitic, but that's kind of what you just gave well, us there. Know, like, look, this probably I, is is too foul blue, for public space. But. It is a it is a love making <laughs> analogy. Okay. Um, and and I'm gonna try to go through it with with words that you can you can use. But so this is my analogy for that terrible football game. And then the incredible ending with the Marcus Jones 84-yard punt return. Um, I don't know. I'm assuming this has happened to all of us, right? Whether it's, you know, too much whiskey, too many shots, too much beer. You, 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 a woman has, has made the bad life choice to, to agree to make love to one of us. Like mm. this is a terrible life choice for her, but she's agreed. Inadvisable, right. And then you're, and then you're like, oh, that's awesome news. But whether whether it's nervousness or you've been overserved, um, your body is betraying you. Your body's mm. like not, you're like, no, 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 no. She this is great. She said, yes, we're into it. Let's do this. And and your body is like, so now you're like doing like you're trying to like, 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 okay, what can I think about to get over the hump here to get to get to the hump? And uh, and and it's like it's it's embarrassing, obviously. And then, and then you finally, you're like, okay, I think this is going to work. And then you're, and then you finish. That was the Patriots game. <laughs> like literally 59 minutes and 33 seconds of whiskey dick followed by, oh my God, that was unbelievable. <laughs> oh my God. That was, that was incredible. Um, and, and so that's my blue analogy, but that's what I was thinking at the time. Like it's, it's, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Um, I will say this. Okay. I I think, you know, in this world of like, let's, you know, and obviously nobody hates the officials as much as I do. Um, some, some yeoman's terrible work again on Sunday, but like, you know, you can, like this idea that that might've been a block in the back. Like, it's like, no, we need to be moving away from the, the chicken ass calls. Like, you could see his numbers like that would have been a terrible call had they called it. But I was of- waiting for it. I have such Stockholm syndrome. When I saw it in real time, I thought, here comes the flag to reverse this singular moment. Imperfect as it was for Patriots fans, a, a punt return at the gun is a one-off, something you well, will never see in your spaghetti. lifetime. Don't and I thought the refs are about to scuttle it. They're, this is going to end here on a bad a call. Because I'm sure Spaghetti was was having PTSD to Deshaun Jackson. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for one fan base, yes. But go ahead. Um, so, so that you know, that was a terrible football game. Uh, and then I think you know that leads nicely into my bad goat. Uh, mm. We we it's funny. We've been hard on Zach Wilson on this podcast and talking about the redraft and where Justin Fields would go. It's funny that those two quarterbacks are playing against each other this, this Sunday. Um, but it's okay. So with no precipitation, 
not that cold, a little windy, but there's lots of passes you can still throw. Uh, Zach Wilson, the Jets have two yards in the second half, and they average like minus two yards per per drop back in the second half. And then, you know, and their defense plays great. And then they ask Zach Wilson after the game, um, you know, did the offense let the defense down? And and the answer is, of course. And and he instead, you know, gets gets pissy, you know, and it's like, no, like, what do you mean? No. Did you are you aware of what just happened? Like, did the offense let the defense down? The answer is, of course, we feel terrible. We got to get to work on it. That performance is unacceptable. My performance was unacceptable. But like, he's still like a prima donna. That that is a pathological level of prima donnaism where you're still like, how dare you ask me that question? Well, you just gave the worst performance in NFL history. Can we can we acknowledge it? So um, I, I was watching that game. And I still don't really understand how Mac Jones was 23 for 27 for 246 yards. Like he had a statistically good game. He looked terrible. But what I was when I was watching that game, the three, three tie, I was like, where would these two quarterbacks go? Like we were talking about the order of the five guys. Would they be undrafted free agents? I mean, what what once you prove like you're not an NFL quarterback? Like, I mean, serious Johnny Manziel vibes from Zach Wilson, right? I mean, am I, am I, by the way, I, I, cause I've been contemplating this very subject here that may, am I, I don't believe that I am, but I'm willing to admit, as you know, when I'm wrong, I, I'll say I'm wrong, but have I fallen into some trap that the college pipeline is so rich every single year that you just have to identify who the top two to five options are in any given year and land one of those guys. And there's some risk, a fair amount of risk. In fact, that, you know, two thirds of those guys will hit and the other third will flop. But still, um, is this what NFL personnel departments are doing? The same thing that I'm doing is like, well, if he's the best prospect at the most important position, he must be worthy of a first round pick. And we're into it now, as you say, like, at least two years through, maybe three years into this thing where we're kind of, you know, even Baker Mayfield stinks. Sam, uh, Sam Darnold stinks. Josh Rosen out of the league. Kenny Pickett, the only quarterback drafted anywhere near the top round mixed results at best. And then that whole group from last year, maybe these college quarterbacks aren't as ready as we assumed they were because a couple of generational talents made the scene in the last decade. Something to think about this offseason. It, it, it is completely wild um, The how past performance is not predictive of NFL success. Like, you're just like, you know, guys who just, you know, move the ball, pinball game, you know, every, you know, played in a pro offense, and now they're just, you know, terrible. I mean, Zach Wilson is awful. Like, that guy, I, I you know, and, and, and enough of a body of work now that you're, you you can't see how it would ever go the other way. I, I you know, and uh, so, yeah. That, yeah, that's a good point. Yes. How, what what would need to happen now for it to feel for a Jets fan, for a Jets teammate or otherwise to start feeling good about Zach, Zach Wilson? I mean, obviously, the answer is light it up going forward, but that doesn't seem like that's going to happen in the short term here. I think the Jets, 
I think they're going to. I wonder how early in the week they're going to make an announcement that they're that you can't roll with where the Jets are um, in the standings. You can't continue to roll with Zach Wilson, right? You got to make the the switch to whoever, whether it's White or Flacco. I'll say you. I'd go. I'd go White Lotus. Remember that incredible yes. performance against the Bengals last year. Mike White, White Lotus. It is, um, it is the best, though. A week removed, and I was with, see, I didn't watch a ton of Pats Jets. I was watching Colts Eagles primarily and a fair amount of Ravens Panthers, too, just because I couldn't get over that the, that the Ravens couldn't do anything against the bum Panthers. I know they've been better with Wilkes, but still. Um, but a week removed from the Colts because the Vapors, if the Colts beat the Eagles, I don't even know what that would say about <laughs> pro football for the serious football guys who talk about it on TV. Um, but yes, the that was a lot like Joe Thomas and Bill Cowher a week ago showed a lack of human priorities. Zach Wilson showed a lack of human instinct. Like when you're there, what, I mean, don't you understand on just a basic level like. I should say that this was on me a little bit. You know, like, nope, nope. I mean, you make yourself, you just ran. Are you so like, so handsome and BMOC and and, uh, so I'm people always talk about that. Like, Hey, go long enough without anybody telling, you no, and everybody patting you on the back. I talk about that a lot too, that people get a weird sense of reality, but he's only what 23 years old or whatever. He has so he's he's so detached from the human experience. He doesn't understand in certain spots. It's okay to be like, yeah, I didn't play well today. I mean, what what, what the hell, man? I thought that was ridiculous. I'm it, it, that's why he's my bad goat uh, for sure. Um, all right, U.S. kind of all right. Get maybe we're turning around here. Um, my good goat, and this is literally a greatest of all time. That's always hard to get an actual greatest of all time, but. These Boston Bruins, come on, setting NHL records for starts, you know, the start of the season at home. And I have to say, when we got Hampus Lindholm last year at at the deadline, guys like you, guys who really know the league and the breadth of the league and players out West and, you know, everyone's like, this guy is a horse. This guy, you just upgraded. And then and then there was no – it wasn't obvious that that was the case at, at, in the playoffs last year. Um, and then now McAvoy and Lindholm, like when you have two of the top ten blue liners, um, Rangers have a little bit of this too, but like you just always have a stud on the ice. Like they're just always a guy who can clean up mistakes, carry the puck, get it into the zone. Like so it, it is – even though – Part of this start is hugely surprising given where various guys are in their careers. Um, you know, Chucky Bright Light's coming back and Lindholm just leading the league in plus minus. Like there's just there's just some they're just some studs on that blue line. And uh it's when you watch the games, it's not fluky. Like they're punishing teams. They they are so so the Boston Bruins, my goat, and you know, it's funny, the Bruins and Celtics are 29 and five combined. And I, I need, I always, I always joke with Simmons. I'm like, get it, get an intern to find out if that's the fewest losses this late in the season for one city's NBA and NHL teams. And he'll be like, ah. and I'm like, no, seriously, get me that information. I know. Simmons. 
Jonathan. I don't know who that is, but no, listen, that team, the top two lines at minimum are no jive, as you say. And, you know, if you've been paying attention the last couple of few years, I, I, five years ago, the must have item, the new fangled new must have item was an offensive defenseman, a a puck dominant uh, guy who could tug at the 200 feet and beyond. But now it's, you got to have a couple of those guys on, on in different defensive pairings, preferably, but yeah, listen, what the Bruins are doing, what's weird about them to me is that at least I am not aware of very many people who saw anything like this coming, not this level of dominance that they would be at this point, the best team in the mighty Wales, nay East. Right. I mean, you didn't see anything like no, this. Coming. No, no, no. It felt I like thought it was he, starting to feel stale and Bergeron was like, is he even going to be playing and all of that? And here we are. When you have to coax Bergeron and Krejci to come back, like you're, please come out of retirement. That, so those are your goat and goats. I'm going to jump in here and give mine then because there's another skate and black and gold team that I wish to honor with my goat of the week. But first, my goat of the week. I have a couple for you. Um, the aforementioned World Cup. I'm not down on soccer. I want to. I want to make that clear. I don't care. I'm not one of these people who takes to social media to announce like, "Oh, you're into Star Wars." I think that's dumb. Like, all right, like what you want to like. It, it it makes no difference to me. A lot of euros, I think, is where this is coming from. I tweeted on Sunday that the World Cup trophy is super lame. Not even lame. It's weird looking. It looks unfinished. It looks like, you know, when you cut open a tomato, how it looks like it needed some more time out there to grow a little bit and fill in. That's what the World Cup trophy looks like to me. What the hell is that mess? As I as I quip hilariously with a uh, with a topical reference, it's very much like if you've seen The Fly recently and who hasn't with Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. At the end there, when he's already half man, half fly, he gets in one more time and somehow his half, his body's like half out of the transporter and it blends him with the transporter. And when he reemerges with that big giant eyeball and that weird stuff like the veins and tendons and everything coming out of him, that's what the World Cup trophy looks like to me. By the way, as other people point out, not even a cup. It's called the World Cup and it's a trophy. There's not even any not a receptacle for any kind of liquid in there. So what the hell? I don't like that. Side note, World Cup, once every four years, whether you live and die with the Premier League week in and week out, um, covered in glory. Mergler has you covered on that on extra points. Make sure you check that out. Hench loves following it. A lot of you do. Good for you. What I think is weird is when the American frat dude suddenly turns into an English bloke when and only when they're watching soccer like all of a sudden it's like dude let's go kick ass oh and then all of a sudden god. the soccer game's oh on. Like, god on, this is this is perfect timing for oh no for, well they the, wales has been awarded a penalty oh uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's, this is horrible i do have the huts on the trophy uh that's a penalty come on lad that's a good call that is a good Dental. call when you're, are they going to kick it here? We're going to do this in real time. And, and destroyed Gareth Bale. Okay, I'm so a pro's this, pro, so I don't have a TV on. I'm focused so in be, on your point. This will be 1-1 one, one momentarily with uh, oh, 10 minutes left. Fantastic. Reverse jinx. Here this it comes, is, Hatch. Uh, by the way, you know, as a soccer fan. When are they I, kicking it already? What are we doing I, here? I, I know that, you know, every sport has their glitches. Like, you know, I even watching the – the college football, they've just figured out, oh, lie down on the field now, grab your calf. If the mm-hmm. clock's not running, so it's like 
You do that when there's a first down because the clock's not running. So you lie down on the field to hold your calf, even though the clock's supposed to run, you basically can, can get reorganized. Anyway, the penalty kick, I don't have a solution, but in a sport where a goal or two might be scored, awarding a goal, it, it like, I don't know, move it back. <laughs> like do such right. Move it back is the answer. It's like, it's so insane. Okay. So, so Gary, did he make it yet or what? What, what are we doing? Up, here? This is taking longer than a review over the, the, he's got that, that, you know, that man bun on top of his head, uh, Matt Turner, us keeper. And it's in, okay. One, one with, oh, with no. 10 minutes to go. Okay. So about the trophy, this is, this is about, this probably is almost exactly as topical as your reference, but Mm -hmm. what I, what it, when you showed that picture, it almost reminded me of, I don't know if you remember this great Saturday Night Live sketch. Uh, It was, uh, I think Rich Hall was playing, was playing Doug Flutie. uh, And there was, it was Bishop Desmond Tutu and Doug Flutie were on the same talk show. And so, Somehow, was it Eddie Murphy playing Bishop Desmond Tutu? And he breaks the arm off of Doug Flutie's Heisman. And then he's trying to solder it back on. And he melts the tro- like trophy melts. <laughs> I don't remember that now. Oh, it's such a great sketch. But uh, it's uh, that's what the World Cup trophy looks like. It looks like a an soldering accident. Like, it, it was cool. <laughs> it was cool. And then it was exposed to too much heat. Now it looks like this. Oh yeah. Uh, by the way, Rich Hall, shout out to him. Uh, it was in for as uh, short as his stint was, was in a, a number of memorable bits there on, in SNL history. Interrupt us with, uh, with more updates here. Sincerely, Hench. Interested okay. to see how this goes. 10 minutes to go, but that's another thing I wanted to mention about world cup. I know these are old notes to somebody, but I, I revisit them once every four years. So forgive me and, uh, and, and deal with it. But, you know, we, we laugh all the time about in the HD era and everything else and the precision available to us. And yet we continue to measure our first downs with uh, by two old guys holding either end of a stick attached to a chain is an insane way to measure 10 yards in football games. This thing with the time as though we don't do, I mean, like, are we to, why does no one insert themselves into this? You're more, uh, you know, you're more dyed in the wool with the soccer. What, what's the explanation? Why don't they have a stopwatch and be like, hey, three minutes and 17 seconds in additional time in penalty time. This weird job, like, oh, it's 45. They're going to keep playing now for an indeterminate or apparently it is determined to like two human beings. Like, why is this a secret? I don't understand what the, what the logic is behind this. Like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how long we let you guys run around for a few more minutes here. It's insane. What gives with that weird extra stoppage time thing? And, and, and this idea that, yeah, nobody knows when you think about like the buzzer beater is the best play in sports, the best play in sports. So in 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 soccer, there are no buzzer beaters because you have no idea. College soccer does have the clock and the countdown, and I actually oh, it saw, does good. I actually Progress. saw uh, a Spaghetti's beloved Notre Dame win a soccer game at the buzzer. It was incredible. Like you know, it's like there's 19 seconds. It's counting down, and the guy buries it. Uh, yeah, that that would be fix fix the fact that you're just awarding a result to the guy with a penalty kick. And then get get on the clock 
and then get on the trophy. Those are our three things to make. Uh, it is funny. It's like, it must be what my wife or anyone else who doesn't care about the sports that are popular to Mm -hmm. our eyes walks into a room and looks at out of context. You can, you can make fun of any sport. It's weird. Like, wait, those guys are trying to put that little black thing into a goal. Um, and they have sticks and also they're on ice the whole time. Like what the hell, what, what's the point of this? Who came up with this contrivance? But, and you know, also weird. It's a penalty in foot. We, we throw we we throw a piece of laundry on the ground to indicate as much. But the card thing is super weird. It's it's oddly confrontational. Like the man runs up to you and like you don't know what he's going to hand you. It's like getting a citation from from a, a police officer on his motorcycle. Like he hands you a card for your wrongdoing. It's very weird looking to me, and it makes me laugh. But my goat of the week rises above all that because that doesn't hit me in the heart. That doesn't get me down, even it, during Shecker season here, the, the the greatest time on the calendar, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and everything around it. But I'm down now because the Steelers season is all but over now that they dropped a three and seven. And that's and that's fine. You know, you're going to have a down year once in a blue moon, even in Pittsburgh. The Steelers make the playoffs most every year. They go 500 just about every year. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. But what vexes me is, and I've been talking about it for not the last three months, not for the last 10 months, for the last three years, this team has been built around from the moment they trade for Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt emerges as one of the dominant forces on that side of the ball. And Cam Hayward is tracking to the Hall of Fame. Obviously and rightly, Mike Tomlin builds this team on defense. That is their alleged strength, not the offense. They have nice pieces and everything else. But you talk all week about this is an AFC North football game, and that's the sort of football we're going to be playing. And it feels like maybe we're turning the corner. It's fine to lose to Joe Burrow and the reigning AFC uh, champs. They went to the Super Bowl and all that, and Joe Burrow is a generational talent. But you got got this high-end, $100 million-plus defense, got got by Samaji Pirine and some guy whose name I cannot tell you right now off the top of my head, but I can tell you, I think he played bass for Hootie and the Blowfish about 15 years ago. What the hell? I mean, just unacceptable. You can't hang it on the rook. Yes, the offensive coordinator is not doing a great job. Yes, Kenny Pickett has been spotty at best. But when the defense is supposed to dominate and the bungles come to town, you cannot give up 37 points and I don't care what. Shame the devil. I'm sick in my balls about it. And I'm bummed out about it now. Okay, so hold on. Go ahead. Wait, you're turning this to your good goat? I was going to, but go ahead. Okay, Please okay. jump in. Well, I um, encourage you. I just want to say that the, the silver lining uh, for our listeners is uh, preseason best bets. Anyone who listened to Steelers under seven and a half wins plus 120 from the henchman is, is enjoying that sweet, filthy lucre. Don't count that one yet, though. I mean, that's the they are going to listen. They're gonna they're they're gonna get. Don't worry, they're still gonna get. I'm not saying they're not gonna get over five and a half, but that for the season win total, or or probably even take a run at uh, Hench's number from the preseason. The point is, you can't sing songs about the defense and and, you know the 
Pittsburgh, I, I, I don't think dominant defense only uh, uh, appeals to people in northern climes, as I've joked about many times before. If you win by defense first in football, you'll enjoy that in Miami or in Texas or in L.A., same as people do in Pittsburgh. But when the whole vibe around the, the franchise for half a century has been defense and you have Mike Tomlin and Brian Flores and Terrell Austin and all, and, and all these superstars at all three levels and you allow 37 points to Samaji P. Ryan, P-U. Now, silver lining, go. Go ahead, Hench. You got something there? Go ahead. Well, I'm just, I'm like our listeners, I'm patiently waiting. Is this going to end up with like the steel curtain? How are you going to get this terrible defensive performance unless Sammy P. Ryan is your GOAT? No, no. I have another GOAT. I mentioned it five minutes ago, what we're getting to. My okay. GOAT of the week, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I'm not saying it oh, right, because... Right. Because they just went three and zero on their road trip that they really needed to put together to get themselves out of the basement. You don't win the Stanley Cup in November, but you can kind of play yourself out of it if you sink uh, uh, to the bottom of the barrel not uh, low enough. And I'm not saying the Penguins because Kid Crosby had 10 points in those games. I think he became aware of our gentleman's bet here or financial bet um, between the three of us because now all of a sudden he's just uh, one point behind Pasternak um, after those 10 points. And it's not even because Geno Malkin scored a goal in his 1,000th game in Chicago on Sunday. It's that singular moments. I talked a lot about this last December and January around Roethlisberger. The singular moments are besides the point. 71, 87, 58, Malkin, Crosby, Latang is the stuff of legend. Um, but it is, again, much like the Steelers dynasty has been, it, this has been going on for five decades since 66 arrived on the banks of the Three Rivers in 1984. Five decades worth of this going on. Five cups in a quarter century specifically, but beyond that, seven heart trophies and 15 Art Ross trophies. So they haven't just won, but they've won with a very specific and consistent brand, a high flying foot on the gas kind of puck. And, you know, the Flyers have embraced their bully ID long past the time where that was a winning brand. And Teams like the devil sold their soul to win their cups by clutching and grabbing. The pens have been about high octane offense at all times. They have had some of the greatest stars in hockey history since 1984, starting with Lemieux and bringing us to the present with Malkin and Crosby. Impossible good luck for hockey fans in the banks of the three rivers. I saw the blue sweaters of um and i saw michelle dion and i saw mike bullard who were almost heroes but didn't quite get it there and much like the old yinzers of the 70s when the steelers became the dynasty couldn't believe that it was the the laughing stock steelers that were the dynasty who never made the playoffs for decades on end all of a sudden were the team in pro football that's how i feel now that blue blanque rouge and the Edmonton Oilers of the 80s and the Islanders and your Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito Bruins must share the stage for all of time with the Pittsburgh Penguins is so crazy and wild to me. I can't get over it. It sends me over the moon. And even if they don't make the playoffs, this run has extended what is a remarkable era for one franchise, especially one that was a laughing stock for so long, even into my lifetime. Go ahead, Hedge. Uh 
Interesting. You raised a hand there. I don't know. You got lost with something that happened in the footy. Well, um, a gaggle of of teenagers arrived at, at oh, the okay. house and uh, and and needed to be let in. So uh, I dispatched the eight year old to do that. Um, oh, okay. I didn't know what the waves were. Yeah, I didn't like, know if it was like I have to that, say but, something uh, to uh, undermine your penguins. What total coincidence that that we're both thankful for our black and gold hockey teams uh, after you know steering. Well, let, okay. So so I, as much fun as as we we've had burying your penguins. Uh, I, I agree. Maybe they're uh, maybe they're not dead and buried. One last. Uh, one last roundup for the for the old. Well, game. the problem is it's funny to bring it full circle, and then Spaghetti jumps in with his goat and goat. But what's funny is that as I'm saying all that, what resonates above all else is you talk about the reason that these penguins could be in some trouble if they don't turn this around, and specifically he turns this around. Chris Letang, number fifty-eight, is spending twenty-eight minutes of the game, so roughly half the time of the game on the ice and he is their worst defenseman by far. He is a puck dominant guy and he is, I mean, he's been known. I, I always make fun of him and Malkin for their occasional bad decision-making their risk-taking, but he's, he's creating a deficit that's going to be hard to overcome. If he doesn't get it going a little bit, he's getting pushed around. He's giving the puck up in his own end way too often. It's weird. The plus minus our guy who's been on the show a bunch of time tweeted out a funny number this morning that, Whereas the second lowest defenseman in plus minus is like a minus is like a plus one or something. And the best is like a plus eight plus 10. Latang is now a minus 10. It's inexplicable. You can be a minus 10 when you're paired. How, how can your defensive partner be that much further ahead of you this early in the season? It's crazy, but that notwithstanding, I'm celebrating because it really is crazy. Latang just, I mean, uh, Malkin plays his 1000th game. What impossible good fortune to get to watch, not just, a good team with good play that these guys are some of the all time greats and that they have maintained this like, Oh yeah. Dead puck two one hockey games. Not us. We're just going to keep on trying to outscore you. All right. We don't have the greatest defenseman perennially, but so what we have some of the greatest scores people have ever seen. And that's our path to victory or shame the devil. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. Hey, listen up, sports fan. This message is for you. Your first bet with Caesar Sportsbook and Casino, it's on Caesars, up to $1,250. Download the app with promo code CZRFULL and place your first bet. If you win, muzzle tough. If you don't, you'll get it all back as a free bet. That first bet also gives you 1,000 tier credits and 1,000 reward credits, putting you closer to the types of perks, game tickets, experiences, and more. And because Caesar plays by the rules, here comes the lengthy, responsible gaming disclaimer. 21 and over, must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or our nation's capital. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or Maryland. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT. Step, Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. 
licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Tennessee, call or text Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Spaghetti, how say you? Goat and goat. To uh, chime in on on hockey and, and Pittsburgh stuff, so I will say, I mean, I'm, I do remember in the offseason, me saying that retaining Latang and that core, probably not the best move. They should have been a little bit more aggressive in free agency. But again, this is before Thanksgiving, a lot of time left uh, for your Penguins to figure it out. On the positive side of Pittsburgh, though, and I'll probably get into this for our best bets, I really do love the Steelers uh, getting three points versus the Colts the uh, next week. I mean, the they just ran into Burrow, who, you know, Parlay Kid talking about this on the recent episode of, again, all odds, but Joe Burrow is still Joe Burrow. We kind of forgot about that because they started off 0-2 and they have been dealing with some injuries and he's kind of led that team back. So I don't think it's a real bad thing to lose to a, a guy who's maybe a smidge below Patrick Mahomes. But um, like I said, to keep it with hockey, my first goat, my um, good goat, uh, it's a quick one. Uh, I'm going to give it out to our, our pal, Ken Kestenbaum, who's brought up all the time on our Extra Points podcast, friends with Harry, Sal. Um, we're all going, he knows I'm a Rangers fan. Rangers are in town. They're West Coast trip playing the Kings. He is uh, bringing me along because you know the Rangers fan to that game so I'm excited to see the blue shirts play in person this year and uh, I will throw out a, an early best bet uh, I don't like them when the puck line uh, giving a goal and a half because I think the Kings are actually a pretty good team but I, I do like the Rangers on the money line draw Galan said the game in San Jose uh, two nights ago was their best game they played all year since their opener versus Tampa and now to get to my bad go this will be a little bit lengthier moving back to the NFL here and I was uh, you know tweeting about this a little bit they all revolve around the Giants the first one being Dayball putting a door Jackson, a punt returner, your top corner on a already very, very injured team. And to get him injured on a, like a five yard punt return is just mind bogglingly stupid. One of the bad decisions, one of the few bad decisions Brian Dable's made all year long. That one's going to cost him about a month. And they're now down three starting cornerbacks amongst uh, very many other players, which is my second part of my bad goat is I, I know the the the, the Giants and, and Giants players and MetLife has been the center of attention for the moving away from turf fields in the NFL, at least getting some kind of synthetic grass, if not just full-blown grass. But being the most injured team in the NFL since 2009 is quite a feat. And again, this year now, you're, you're basically the rest of the season – 
it's just all about Saquon and what Daniel Jones could do uh, together because there's just no healthy players left. And it's, it's a real shame. Um, The season started off so great. And now you're missing like, I mean, literally three fourths of your starters are out. And um, I don't know what they have to do. I know Joe Shane said in the off season, they hired him that they wanted to look at the medical staff, the strength and conditioning staff and figure out what the actual issue is. But to me, it seems like whatever these players are practicing on, whatever they're playing on, I know Kyle Shanahan, when they played the back-to-back games in MetLife, uh, I believe it was like a year ago, he was publicly saying how bad it is because it just builds up all these like micro fractures. And eventually, you know, you have a ligament snap and or a bone break and it just it's has to stop. And the, the last part of this, obviously an ugly, embarrassing game losing to the Lions. But again, the team was pretty depleted. Uh, Hench last week talked about it and the referees are still bad they're just so bad in this game. And I know Sal made fun of me on, on uh, against all odds saying, well, it was almost equal in, in yards, but it was the type of penalties. It was a type of penalties that extended drives and allowed them to score points in the first half. So Brad Rogers, I believe that was the name of the, uh, the, the head referee, his crew was terrible. I mean, two missed delay game penalties, which I feel like across the league, they're not calling a lot of snaps clock, you know, at zero on the clock uh, missed the false start. And, and amongst other things that gave the Lions points, which extended their lead in the first half, just a brutal job. And to prove them not even just being biased about how bad they are, but like when you have Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart and even Mike Pereira for whatever he does, all disagreeing with what they're calling on the field, like how do you trot out that product? How do you like it's 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 a joke to have your broadcast booth just flat out disagree with the refs do. And if you could review some stuff, everything should be reviewable. And there should be some kind of command center for if a ref's getting something wrong or they miss something that's blatant that changes the outcome of the game, it should be reversed on the spot. And uh, again, like I was retreating a little bit ago that even Matt Eberflus, he sends two plays uh, a week to that, like the referee group union, whatever it is about late hits of Justin Fields. Cause obviously he's running the ball a lot. And another one happened this week where he just, they flat out missed it. Justin Fields may miss the rest of the season now. And it's just a bad thing all across the league. We started the season with some bad calls. It kind of went down and then now it's right back. That's why I think where it's, it's like almost unwatchable. The product needs to be fixed because uh, I'm having a bad time with uh, all these. Wait a second. I didn't know about Justin Fields might be done for the year. Everflus just said it's day to day or he couldn't miss the rest of the year, which my take means that they already, he already proved he's good and they may just bench him, but there was a, a bad, he slid down, got hit late was not called and the, the fact that a head coach is sending two plays a week uh just based on justin field just proves the refs are just not doing their job and it was it was bad it's bad when greg olson's laughing about missed calls on the field from a guy that was a very good nfl player it's just a really bad job well, well hench and i we fixed it up last week we well, need to start reprimanding the the yes. uh, referees right on the field that's it air them out air them out uh but it's funny that check was just talking about this this and we're in it right now uh so there's supposed to be nine extra minutes in this in this World Cup game. We're, we've already played 10 extra minutes. Wales has a free kick. Only the ref knows how much time there is left. It, and it's like, why can't we all know? It's the same situation with delay of game. Like, we all are looking at the zeros and this, well, we give them an extra. Um, I think it was Rich Eisen who just tweeted, like, why can't there just be a buzzer? Like why, if the ref can't be looking at the ball and the clock at the same time, why doesn't it just go eh, in his ear? Like we have the technology to have a buzzer. We, we've had buzzer technology for a long time. And this thing where it, it feels like quarterbacks are adjusting now to like, they're only snapping at double zero. 
Like it's like it's always double zero. And and so that one seems instantly fixable. It's ridiculous that that they they need a beat and a half to call a delay again. Was it in the Sunday night game that one of the defenders let up because he didn't want to deliver a blow to was it? I can't even think of what game it was. So I certainly can't think of what QB and defender it was, but I think it was on Mahomes that he thought Mahomes had thrown the ball. So he kind of let up and he, and he only kind of like barely touched the QB and then the QB threw a complete pass down the field. It's getting sideways. The desire to protect the QBs is understandable given the investment into them, but there's, this can't be the end of the logic in protecting them. We we must continue to strive to to fix this and get to a better phase of of pro football, protecting the the main man, but also not completely uh, blowing up the you know the the nature of the game, which is running into each other on purpose. All right, speaking of that, let's get into our best bets. But if you want to stick to the footy hench, by all means, that can be one of your best bets. You don't have to stick to football, college, or pro. I will say in advance of mine. No college football bets at this time. I may issue some later in the week, but right now just nothing's jumping out at me because there's so few to pick from. I've I've been used to the luxury of a million games in front of me every Saturday. That's going away now, and I'm getting sad already. You start us off, Edge. Best bet. Uh, well, it's funny you mentioned that because I actually um, bet England minus a goal and a half against Iran. Uh, I wasn't awake for it, but... Um, I, I assumed they'd run it up against the it counts, right? It. And uh, so I woke up to a win. They won six two. Um, and and then I watched the highlights. And I would say um, England moving forward is is going to be a good bet. They obviously have a buy out of this round. Watching the junk that I just I just witnessed. Um, and uh, and so you you're 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 through to the round of sixteen. That you probably won't get a number on them until everybody has played one game. But anyway, uh, wait, but for forgive football, my question. I, this is a stupid question that I'll get made fun of to anybody who's made it to this point in the show. Is the game so the US Wales game is now over? It just like ends as a tie and that's it? One one. Yeah, they won one. one okay. So they both get a point. Um, and uh, but that means yeah. that the US better beat Iran then, right? So and then now it comes down to goal total so basically stuff. What it comes down to is. Both the U.S. and Wales are going to lose to England, and both the U.S. and Wales are going to beat Iran. So now it's going to be goal differential. Right. So you've got to run it up. you got to make sure England doesn't run it up against you, and you run it up against Iran. But obviously this was a big game. I mean, 1-1 was actually a fair result because they dominated the second half just as we dominated the first half. Um, okay, but let's pick these Thanksgiving games. Shout out, shout out to Iran. What those what those players did, but more importantly, what the women in that country are doing and dealing with and pushing back on is a is a heroism that is it almost should embarrass people like Kanye and Kyrie who are taken to the microphone to bellyache about about their perceived issues. What those women are dealing with is is a different level and noble and heroic and tragic and all that. But anyway, sorry for uh, that little detour. I took took my uh, 15-year-old to Jane's Addiction and Smashing Pumpkins Saturday night. Did you? Wow, cool. It was incredible. And Perry Farrell did a a whole riff on, on the Iranian women. And it was like, we're so jaded with our freedom, you know, and that it was kind of like, yeah, okay, let's go. Another song. You're like, no, we should all be 
We should all be rising as one in solidarity with the Iranian women. Listen to the emaciated rock star. He's right. Come on, people. Dave Navarro, he turned himself into a punchline in a lot of ways. But, man, when I saw James for the first time, and they were well past their prime, and like I say, it already kind of veered into being a joke a little bit, or Dave Navarro at least kind of had been, man, that, you know, when uh, when they're out, he, Perry uh, uh, is still one of the great front men of all time. And Dave Navarro is is just dynamite for an old like me. I still love seeing it. I can't, I know uh, Billy Corgan's gotten to be such a weirdo too, but I'd be fascinated to see what uh, Smashing Pumpkins sound like at this well, point. What well, what was interesting for me, because, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, Perry's just out there wailing. And so you lead all the, the, work to others i had always assumed that you know when you're the singer songwriter you got a lot going on that's why you have a lead guitarist so i always thought james eha was shredding you know while billy corgan was trying to remember the words it's like no 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 billy corgan i then i learned he's basically a one-man band that allows other people to stand up on stage with him and uh a very very taken with his his shredding uh on Saturday night um but anyway uh yes so so kudos to the Iranian women and the Iranian national team um and to you for taking your 15 year old to go see some a, old school rock and roll time. that sound that counts as oldies it, now it, it was it was such a weird mix because a lot of people my age, and then a lot of their kids. So it was pretty wild. Um, mm. my, okay. So Thursday, it's so funny. We, you, we got, you were, you've been talking about these Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving slate for weeks. Like you've been looking ahead and you're like, Oh my God, Thanksgiving is unbelievable. But in the subsequent weeks, since you started advertising these games, they've all kind of taken a weird hit. Meaning like the Vikings, maybe, uh Cinderella slipper I don't know like I don't know what happened I mean mm-hmm. I picked I picked the Cowboys uh, uh last week as a best bet and and so now going into that game you have the Patriots offense that scored 3 points against the Vikings offense that scored 3 points I'll definitely take under 42 and a half in that game um but but uh forced to pick a team I'll take the Patriots in the field goal I guess uh I I don't know um, if if the Vikings have if that was aberrant or if they're starting on a down. Um, well, I I've I I've circled this funny little fact and I should really, you know, get some some more uh supportive facts to it. But it it seems to me from 30,000 feet, and there are some uh examples available over the last three years, something that has started to happen in this little era that never used to happen in the first 50 years of the Super Bowl era was that teams that might win the Super Bowl getting smoked along the way. Like they, the, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Vikings do not take it as like, well, that rules the Vikings out of Super Bowl contention because they got housed on that level. This is this happens to teams that wind up playing meaningful games in late January and uh, and February, and uh, off the top of my head, the Bengals got destroyed at least once or twice last regular season. And I know the Rams did when they went up to San Francisco in late November, early December. That didn't impact anything that happened to them come January against that same Niners team. So I, I, I'm not attaching too much weight to them getting no, shamed the, a week after that Bills game. I let the them Patriots, off the hook for that. 
one of the Patriots championship seasons began with a 31 zip loss to the Bills. Right, right, right. I guess well, that's one of the exceptions for the rule. Year. But for the record, I'll take the Vikes uh laying those points okay. at home. And then um it's it's funny because what you know, that number we knew the number was gonna be big, that the lines were gonna get be getting a big number at home. And, you know, you've, th- you've thrown out a lot of stats about about big numbers this year in the NFL. And uh, so I was like really like leaning into like their home. But I will say this. The Bills, it was like, is there something wrong with Josh Allen? Is there something wrong with the Bills? They fell behind 10-3 to the Browns. And then they started cooking and they were running the football. They were ripping off chunks. And I feel like. The Bills are going to be the Bills, and the Bills are going to put up a huge number against that Lions defense. That hmm. so I'm I'm going to lay all that wood and take the Bills. Um, and then the third game, which we were live, go 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 over the 54. That's finally like a, a mid 50s total for a pro football game. Those are becoming few and far between. Let's live it up and bet the over in that one. Okay. Uh, and then, and then even though all of spaghetti's points are, are well taken, um, I'm going to take the giants on that big number. I, I know the Cowboys did nothing wrong last week and the giants had nothing go right. And, and that always feels like there needs to be a bit of a correction to the mean, like, you know, you, you, it's like the the Vikings had that incredible second half against the Bills, and I'm like, yeah, that's not that that's not who they are. They're you know, and they got housed by the Cowboys. So I, I like the Giants to keep it close, um, you know, and and for Saquon to to go for 150. All right, I like that bet, um, just because of how big that point total is. But I, I also big picture. I feel better about my Cowboys to the Super Bowl pick today than I did, obviously, last Monday after uh, the Cowboys themselves kind of got humiliated at least over 30 plus minutes up in uh, up in Lambeau. My best bets for you. I know this is crazy. And I just told you seven out of the last seven of the last eight double digit favorites have not been able to cover. I can't help myself. We have two of them on the board this week. Dolphins are laying 12 to the woeful Houston Texans. How can I not bet my AFC pick to go to play those Dallas Cowboys in a Super Bowl six rematch? I'm taking the Dolphins and I'm laying the 12. Shame the devil. What am I going to do? Of course, two in company are going to put it on the bum Houston Texans whose season is way, way, way over and are playing for absolutely nothing. And yes, they are theoretically ready to play spoiler, but not since Trevor Simeon have the hipster Football fans who like to identify an off-label, a minor-label um, quarterback and be like, no one's talking about this guy, and he's going to end up being a, a a viable NFL starter. Not since Trevor Simeon have people looked so bad when they celebrated Davis Mills this offseason. He has become Davis Mills. They will be drafting one of those quarterbacks, be it Stroud or Young or otherwise, when uh, when next springtime rolls around. So I'm taking the Dolphins. I'm also going to go over that one. The Dolphins will pit, do the heavy lifting on that one. Over 46. The other one, I'm going against Kansas City. They're laying 14 and a half. 14 and a half. They don't cover at home uh, or very often. More than two touchdowns, fat. I'm going the other way on that. Packers at Eagles is interesting to me. 
The home team, Philly, laying seven. Let's talk this one through. But, but the other one that I love is Denver and Carolina. We've really hit the bottom of the barrel. At least I hope we have. Total on that one. These are two, two pro football teams in the 21st century. Total, 35 and a half. And I'm going under just for fun. That's a fun under bet there. They're not going to combine to, to uh, get the 36 points. I'm going under there. But I want to talk through this Packers-Eagles one, and then we'll get the Spaghetti's best bets. Um, how say you here, Hedge? This is fascinating. Jalen Hurts saved the day in Indianapolis. The Colts were kind of playing for something. If they get the 500, it's plausible at least that they can still catch the Titans. Not likely, but they could have. Packers, did they find their game? Last time we saw them uh, before they caught those same Titans or are they just garbage and the season is over for them? I don't know how to how to pick this one. Uh, You know, it's funny. I took the Titans because I my bet was that the the second half against the Cowboys was a mirage. You know, the death rattle, right? The death rattle. Yeah. You know, it's like and 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 of course, I was borne out like that. The Titans really pushed him around it was it was not that competitive and the the problem for the Packers is they're catching the Eagles after their two hiccups right so the Eagles um lost uh and again questionable officiating against the, the commanders and then um got lucky to beat to beat the Colts for sure um and I think when you look at the way the Titans push the Packers around and you look at the way the Eagles can push you around, um, I really, you know, it's like, you know, when it's third and one and a half, Jalen Hurts just gets three yards. Like these, this new thing where everyone can come into the phone booth and push the guy who squats 5,000 pounds, like you're never, ever going to stop him. There's no leverage. You, there's no way to stop him on those on those sh- third and shorts, fourth and shorts. So I, I think that uh, that's going to be prime time, big result in Philly, further exposure for a, a Green Bay team that, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Rodgers is like kind of a, apologizing for the wobblers like they they look checked out. They don't look I mean, they know they're not a contender. And so um Christian Watson doesn't score multiple touchdowns this week and the and the Eagles cover that number. Well, I I ask about the Packers in part, uh just quick thought here because the the movement of big name QBs, I mean we thought we were going to see it a year ago. By now I thought it, a year ago if you would have said is Aaron Rodgers back with the Packers, I would say no, he's obviously going to Denver or one of two or three other places. He's not going back to Green Bay. Now I wonder if Rodgers has the stomach to restart in a different place, because it does make sense for from the Packers standpoint to move on. And a team like the New York Giants would make a ton of sense, as would the New York Jets. If you like the thought of let's get a guy because this roster, I think the Giants are going to keep dimes. Let's see what the next, uh, you know, what, what the remainder of the season looks like here. But clearly the Jets are not going to want to stick with Zach Wilson. So they're probably going to be in the market with a win now roster. They're probably going to go after a guy like Rogers. It'd be interesting to see if he decides to, uh, to either wouldn't be stunned by any decision that guy makes at this point, but I wouldn't be surprised if he hangs it up. Um, if he's obstinate and gets in Jordan loves away at this point, or if they just agree like, yeah, you know what? 
Let's start fresh. And let me see if I can take a run at something like Brett Favre did in New York and go to the Jets. It'll be, well, I, I think that's a plausible uh, reality, of, you know, next spring that that could it, happen. It's so wild, right? Like, um, you know, Kansas hiring Danny Manning's father. And then you go, gee, I wonder where Danny Manning is going to go to college. Like, right, right. This is like, so when Hackett landed in Denver, you're like, oh, this is the two part move. Hackett to Denver, Rogers to Denver, right? That was just, it was understood. And so it's funny, Sal keeps texting out this stat. I it, The Broncos would be nine and one if they'd scored 18 points in regulation in every game. Like that's all this offensive mastermind would have had to conjure together to be nine and one. So Hackett, terrible in Denver, Rogers, terrible in Green Bay, Maybe if they were still together, there'd be some mojo, but separately, they've both been awful and, and their teams are bad. And uh, it, it is it is wild that, you know, I mean, it can make that big a difference. I, I mean, Rodgers was incredible last year. Incredible. Trade Rodgers for Russell Wilson. All problems are solved right there. By the way, very quickly, sorry, Spaghetti, as we jump in here, we are into rivalry week here, and now the numbers are showing up for me in college football. You got Bama and uh, Auburn getting it on. Semi-relevant. If Bama somehow, fi- I mean, thank goodness those upsets didn't happen last Saturday because that would be the buzz. Like, oh, you know what? Now Bama does kind of make some sense. Thank goodness that went away. The season-long gift and i mean gift in terms of uh dollars if you've been following me all season long here with these hoosiers overs every game the hoosiers uh have played i don't have the hard and fast numbers i think they've gone over in pretty much every game save one off the top of my head they're playing for the oak and bucket against those uh pu boilers megan gailey and company's favorite team over 55 and a half i gotta stick with it there that's that's another play of the week is i'm i'm giving uh the Hoosiers and uh, Boilers going over that one. And then I want to give you my pit one. Oh, well, the Spaghetti's going to jump in on the Trojans and the Irish. I know he's going to pick that one. I'm going Trojans laying the five here. Caleb Williams, an in, in all-timer for the Victory Bell game. Thank you for all the notes everybody sent me on my uh, on my great success of the home jersey thing. Um, but a dynamite um edition of that great rivalry i think usc gets notre dame i think i, I think they're just uh electric offensively and they'll get over them and uh pits down in miami to round out their season they're laying six and a half this is an ultimate stinker spot for the pit panthers but you know what i'm gonna go over the 43 and a half there um as they round out their mixed bag of a season and now a quick break spaghetti take it away well, I guess I'll just start with that game. Uh, I think it's a, a, the lock that Notre Dame is going to not, they're going to cover, but they're going to win the game outright. They're just, they're a matchup nightmare for, for USC. I don't care if USC scored 48 points and they beat UCLA by three. It was a tight game. Like there was just no defense in that game. That's the theme with U, uh, USC is like they don't have a defense. Notre Dame does. Notre Dame secondary has been awesome. The amount of interceptions that Notre Dame has been getting the last few games has been crazy. But the offense has also scored 35 points in the la- and the six straight games. First time they've done that in school history. Marcus Freeman has his team playing right. Notre Dame also uh, has played. There's only three quarterbacks in college football who have thrown for 33 touchdown passes and less than five interceptions. Notre Dame's going to play all three of them. They beat one, one of them being C.J. Stroud, who they uh, obviously that, that was 
probably Ohio State's toughest game all year, especially because they were at home versus uh, the Irish. And the third one will be Caleb Williams. Uh, and the second one I mentioned was uh, UNC's quarterback, Drake, uh, Drake May. So uh, I I just don't see Caleb Williams having a game like that. I think Notre Dame is going to run the ball. They're going to just really kill the clock. Um, their rushing attack, the three-headed monster, has been so good. Um, I could see a game where Drew Pine barely has to throw the ball, but if he does, it's just like play actions to Michael Mayer. Uh, it's going to be ball control, and I think they're really – it's just a smash-mouth style that they USC has not seen. They have not had a hard strength to schedule. And as a Notre Dame fan who constantly says join a conference, your schedule's weak, look, I'm going to call out when USC schedule's not great and their schedule's not that great. So I like the Irish in this one. Actually, a fair amount of college games I do like. I mentioned Drake, May, and UNC. I think UNC and UCLA both kind of have – comeback weeks here. I think UCLA is giving 10 to um, to Cal, who's not very good at all. And I like DTR to return and and play. By the way, wait, Notre Dame, just if you want to ride with the spaghetti on the money line there, plus 180 is your payout there. Um, if you're taking the Irish, the total on that one is 62 and a half. I love that 77 total for USC and UCLA, which they blew past by uh, by the third quarter, which was uh, very funny to me. I'm sorry I, uh, to I gotta say, just to break the tie, that I'm with Spaghetti on the Irish. Uh, I, I've watched a lot of USC this year, and they do not get stops. Like I feel like you know I, I, what this game is going to look like. It's going to look like that Michigan Ohio State game last year, where hmm. it's like. You you have a high flying team um, that that whose offense watches the entire game from the sideline because the running attack just grounds them into powder. By the way, I'm sorry because you mentioned Stroud before. I will take the visiting Wolverines uh, plus seven and a half in the shoe um, this weekend in the most meaningful of all the rivalry games. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, I guess we're differing in a lot of games because I, I have Ohio State giving the seven and a half. The reason is, um, you know, we're, t- Hench, we're texting about it. Like the top five teams in the country all looked pretty bad. But the only difference was like Ohio State still finds a way to make it look like a bigger score than it was. Like they just that, that the interception, the stop, the touchdown at the end of the game. Plus, they were on the road. Michigan was at home uh, and they struggled. So I, I, Ohio State just finds a way to kind of, you know, they'll get a score late and they'll go above that seven and a half mark. So I, I like them. And like I said before, the only tough game they really had all year at home was Notre Dame. They're home again. All their games, they struggled. Northwestern uh, and Maryland were both on the road. So I do like Ohio State. Plus, CJ Stroud now being the favorite again for Heisman. Uh, he's a kid. He's he's reading that. He's being told that he's going to want to play with the chip on his shoulder. Um, talking about the Heisman and a guy that was kind of in the mix and kind of had that hurt a bit. Drake May, like I mentioned, I think rivalry week. I think UNC, uh, a pretty underrated team. They'll they're going to um, what are they laying? I think it's like six and a half, five and a half. They're going to. Um, uh, yeah, six and a half versus NC State. They're going to win that game and a comeback after a bad loss to Georgia Tech. UCLA, like I said, DTR, like their offense looked pretty good. Um, they're laying 10 to a bad Cal team. I like UCLA in that one. I said Notre Dame, Ohio State. Uh, for the NFL best bets, if we're picking all those Thanksgiving games, I mean, one, one of my best bets, regardless of it or not, the Giants just don't have healthy bodies. I don't like them in this game. I think Dallas is kind of clicking. Uh, I, it seems like they're going to get Odell Beckham as well. I, I like Dallas in this one, minus nine. Um, the Bills, if I have to pick that one versus the Lions, the Lions are playing better, but I do like the Bills in that game too, laying in. I think uh, the 
Pat's Vikings. Um, Sheck, you kind of mentioned it before too. It's like just because the Vikings lost the game doesn't mean they're not still a solid team or a playoff team. I do like them to to beat the the Patriots, who just can't really score points lately either. Um, and then the other best, but I mentioned before too, I love your Steelers uh, versus the Colts. Uh, you know, getting three points. I think they're often showing me a lot. Uh, the game could have went a different direction if you know George Pickens uh, played a little bit better. And uh, the one other one I do like a lot versus the the Jets. We're talking about the Jets average two point seven seven inches of offense in the second half, like a true stat, two point seven inches of offense uh, per play. So if Justin Fields is healthy and is playing, the Bears are getting it was five and a half last I saw, still five and a half. If Justin Fields is playing versus the Jets, like Justin Fields has turned around, if he's healthy on the field, the Bears getting points is crazy to me. I that is hammer that if uh, if he is healthy on the field. The Bears well, I mean, I have more... no special aid. Go ahead, Inch. Well, just to say the Bears getting more points than the Jets scored last week does seem like a good bet. I mean, it all depends on whether Fields plays, or maybe it doesn't even depend on whether he plays, given how bad the Jets are. Just real quick stat to uh to or we'll throw it out we'll throw it out uh cl- cl- no cheating closest closest to the number wins I'll ask you guys a population of the US uh 330 million uh okay guys hands on buzzers what do you think the population of Wales is it's less than the San Fernando Valley so True. yeah so it's very very low uh and if LA has a few million I'd say Wales is it's what Wales is. I don't even know. Well, let me say 600,000. No, it's it's three. We lost to Trinidad and Tobago, which isn't fair that that they get to combine their forces like we U.S. for the record eight years. We would have beaten Trinidad or Tobago. But when they team up like that, it's almost not fair. But Wales is by itself under a million. Three point one million. So. Uh, so we have a hundred people for every person they have. So we need to choose 11 <laughs> soccer players from 330 million. They get to choose from 3 million and we drew one, one. And by the way, we were lucky to get a point the way the field was tilted by the end of that game. So is a very familiar feeling for me. I get very fired up for us soccer and I always get incredibly depressed. I don't know what it is. I, it, it's like, as, as my buddy Kevin Baker said, uh, soccer is the sport of the future and always will be. It's <laughs> so right, because literally since my youth, I've been told, get ready, America. Hey, my I remember Mo Damashek was like, hey, have you ever played soccer? I'm like, ah, you know, uh, P or whatever. And she's like, it's the sport. They say like it's going to be the most popular. You should start playing it now. I was like six or seven years old. When that was the case, it still has never fully broken through. But they say that the the youngsters of right now, this that is the most popular sport. Um, so I don't know, maybe 20 years from now, the U.S. will get it done. But as I always say, when push comes to shove, red, white and blue is great, but I'll go black and gold. So my my season's already over, but I've turned the page to a brand new season played on a sheet of ice rather than on uh, a burnt out old brown uh, field. Hey, speaking for the of Steelers. surfaces, I know I was yeah. tuning for Sports Center, and I saw I know I know Oregon likes to uh, assault our eyes with their uniforms. Right. Did you see that basketball court? They're basketball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, they've had that for a few years. It's crazy looking. I guess I just haven't watched Oregon home games. How is that legal? Like, 
What if you have a condition? Like if you have epilepsy, <laughs> you play on that court? That is insane. I don't like, yeah, that court makes me crazy. And I don't like, I know people love the Arkansas, the giant hog that consumes the entire, like, it's like, it's too much. You got to take that away. You can't, you can't be this crazy with it. And I am also a curmudgeon about the blue field up in Boise. How far are we at? Because now other people, predictably, other people now do the red field and otherwise, shame the devil. I don't like it. I'm a, I'm, I'm progressive in many ways, but. I, I still how, hold on to some traditions. Come beyond on. Beyond how aesthetically unappealing it is, how are you supposed to divine where the three-point line is? I agree. When you're it's in a, a Roy Lichtenstein, Jackson Pollock vomit. <laughs> like, what am I? Where's the three-point line? Like, there's just a yes. bunch of blotches of colors. Like, it. that just seems like if, you know, I feel like Bobby Knight would pull his team off the floor. <laughs> No way. <laughs> Fix it. Fix it. You're right. I want you to revisit this once we get free and clear of football. So that can be your uh, a springtime goat for you as we're watching these conference tournaments and everything. Yeah. I like the ones, though, that like when the Brooklyn Nets do that effect where it looks like the whole game is in black and white, except for the visiting team wearing like when the Celtics show up there and they wear their green jerseys, you're like everything else is in black and white, except for the for the uh, for the other team on the floor there. Anyway, listen, enough's enough. Let's go eat some pie. Let's go eat some stuffing. Let's get ready for football. We're all winners um, because Thanksgiving is just about upon us. Great. Thanks. Uh, another great year. So I give Thanksgiving, uh, I give thanks to you, Kevin Hanchetti Spaghetti oh. and everybody at the Extra Points Network. It's a grand time. Cheating life, getting the kibitz about sports and the game of life with the likes of Yins out there. We're ahead of the game for that. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Hope you get to do it with some family and friends. And uh, we'll be back. On the other side of the Thanksgiving weekend to get ready for Christmas time, Hanukkah. We're saying it again here on Extra Points. We look forward to talking to you then. Happy Thanksgiving, all. And for Spaghetti, Hanch, and everybody at Extra Points, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.